0: All right, well, again, good morning. Uh, I'm uh, lead pastor David Cumby, and I'm just, again, on behalf of the Apostles family for visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. This summer, uh, we have been going through a series called uh, We Believe. And we're really looking at this ancient practice within the church of saying together what we believe as we gather together using the Apostles' Creed. And so we are coming to the end of that series, the end of the Creed this morning. Um, And so I'm excited to do that. Also, I did want to just pause and just uh, thank you so much, Johnny and Brianna uh, and Dylan, for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, As Johnny said in the beginning of the service, you may uh, not have heard this, uh, but Ryan and Lauren had their baby, and so we're super excited to welcome baby uh, Ezra, their little girl, into the world and celebrate with them. But John, uh, excuse me, Ryan's taking a little time off, as you might expect, uh, and, uh, and so we just want to continue to pray for them and celebrate and give thanks for that. And then also, I, I did want to mention that um, Lauren and Walker Clark had a baby also last week, a little baby boy, and so we're super excited uh, about that. And, um, and his, uh, his name is Baby Charlie. And so we, um, we just want to celebrate and give thanks to God for what that means. Um, and so, uh, so just wanted to, to note that uh, as we celebrate with them as a church family. Um, also, one last thing before we get into our sermon this morning. I did want to um, just welcome uh, Bishop Clark and his wife, Tricia. Could y'all wave just so everybody can see where y'all are? And then Nancy Page, uh, their daughter, is here. And she is one of the missionaries that we support. Uh, if you're not aware of that, uh, Nancy Page serves with uh, an amazing church called St. Ebbs. Uh, in Oxford, England, and she is working with international students primarily there, discipling young women who will go back uh, to where they came from, many of them across the world, to proclaim the gospel. Uh, And so just uh, got a chance to talk with her earlier this week and hear about some of the amazing things God is doing. So encourage you to uh, to grab her after the service and just uh, ask her to share a little bit about what God's doing. But so glad that you're here. Um, All right, this morning... Uh, If you want to grab a Bible and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's where we're going to be. Uh, Primarily, as I said, we're coming to the end of the creed, and the creed ends uh, with these words, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, amen. I love the end of the creed because it brings us to the end, right? It brings us to the actual end of all things uh, throughout human history. Right. Human beings uh, have been asking the question: What happens when you die? What happens when you die? Uh, so, whether you're a Christian or you're Buddhist or you're atheist, uh, you've thought about this. Right? This is a question all human beings ask, and it, it probably means you've got some ideas uh, in your mind about what happens after you die, about the afterlife, about heaven. Everyone has some idea. But the question that I want us to consider this morning is, where did our ideas about heaven come from? Where did our ideas about heaven come from? In particular, if you're a follower of Jesus, where do you get your ideas about heaven? Where do you get your ideas uh, about heaven? I think for a lot of us, myself included, our beliefs about heaven can actually come from a lot of different places, right? They can come from movies uh, or from Oprah's Book of the Month Club or they can come from videos or stories. We've heard about near-death experiences and people who went to heaven and came back and they had this vision or we we get all these things and then I think we kind of mix that in sometimes with what the Bible actually says and teaches us about heaven, And so I want us to to consider this morning uh, heaven by looking at what Scripture actually teaches us about heaven. And so it may kind of clear out some fogginess you may have about heaven. It may challenge some ideas that you've had about heaven. Uh, and my hope is it will encourage you with some pretty amazing news about what the Bible actually teaches us about heaven. And regardless of where you are in your faith, I just want to encourage you. You know, Heaven can be an intimidating uh, thing to, to think about and to tackle. You're talking about death and life after death. And so I just want to encourage you, just as we get started with these words from 1 Corinthians 2.9, this is what the Apostle Paul says, and he's talking about life beyond death. He's talking about heaven. He says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, right, for life beyond death. No one's seen it, no one's heard it, no mind can conceive it, but it says this, but... But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And so I just want to encourage us. The Bible actually has a lot to say about heaven. And God wants you to know and understand about heaven this morning. He wants you to know his promises. And he wants you to have confidence, not only in this life, but in eternity. And so I just want to encourage you. Um, that as we're looking at this, don't be intimidated, don't be afraid. Uh, and I know if you're talking about heaven, you probably already have some things that have come up in your mind, right? Some questions you may have uh, about heaven. Uh, you may be wondering, for example, um, when, when we die, what happens with the, the relationships uh, that we have with people who have died before us? Do we get to maintain those relationships? What about the relationships we've had in this life, uh, like marriage and and relationships with friends and family. What, what happens? Do those continue in some way? Uh, you know, do dogs go to heaven? Right? Like, that's a legitimate question. My, my kids and I were talking about that this week. You know, those kinds of questions. Cats don't. Dogs, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Will there be college football in heaven? Okay? Now, I'm not going to be able to answer all these kinds of questions like this morning. Um, But I would say generally all those things I just said, I think the Bible affirms yes to all those things. That there'll be meaningful relationships in this life that carry over, that we'll be able to reconnect. That the joys of this life, right, Uh, and and even the creatures of this world, that God's going to remake and restore and recreate. Um, And even if we don't know exactly how, I think we can have confidence in a lot of the goodness of this life. Um, that will extend into the afterlife. And so um, I think the Bible answers all these questions, and and it's much more complex than we can get into this morning. So this is why I I encourage you to do what I always want to encourage you to do, which is study the Scriptures for yourself. Um, And if you want to look uh, into this topic of heaven and you have questions, specific questions, there's a great resource that I I would recommend that would help you as a guide through the Scriptures. It's a book called Heaven. By Randy Alcorn, and it's really, it's 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 really, really, really good because it's solid on Scripture, uh, and he's really clear about what he thinks versus what we can know. Uh, based on what scripture says and he tackles these kinds of questions like in the book. So great resource, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. I encourage you to use that as you look to God's word for answers. But the creed this morning, the creed is focusing us on I think two aspects of eternity, the resurrection of the body and then the life everlasting. So we want to look at those two questions. What is the resurrection of the body and what is the life everlasting? And then real briefly at the end, I want to talk about why does all that matter to us here and today, this week, as we leave this place. So first, what is the resurrection of the body? Now first, just to clarify, this is not talking about Jesus' resurrection. Right? We, we could, I think we could make that mistake. We could think, oh, resurrection of the body, they're talking about Jesus in the creed. The creed has actually already invited us right, to affirm our belief that Jesus indeed has risen from the dead. So this is a different Resurrection. This is the resurrection of our bodies, right? The resurrection of our bodies. So as followers of Jesus, this is what the gospel teaches us, that we've received forgiveness for our sins, that we have new life with God and in God, in Christ, and that his Holy Spirit now lives within us. And yet, even all that being true in this life, the reality is our bodies decay. The reality is that our bodies fail us, and ultimately, ultimately, everyone will die. And the Bible describes death as creation's final enemy. Death is the final enemy, and on the day when Jesus returns, he's going to defeat that final enemy enemy. That's one of the things that's going to happen when Jesus comes again. And we, as followers of Christ, will experience the final victory over this final enemy. And 1 Corinthians tells us about that here in chapter 15. The the sting of death has been taken away because we know this truth, that when Jesus returns, he will have victory over death. There will be this mass resurrection, right, of all those who have died in Christ. And so this is the bodily resurrection that we're talking about um, in the creed. And this bodily resurrection, it really matters. It's really important. Why? Why is it so important? This is where I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So again, if you want to open to 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be looking at several verses here in this chapter to help us uh, kind of unpack these things this morning. So it'll be helpful if you have it open in front of you um, on your phone or in one of the Bibles in front of you. But 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to look at verse 12, let's start there. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And then if you skip down to verse 20, Paul continues with these words. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. In other words, the hope that we have as followers of Jesus, the hope of the Christian faith is the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, without that, right? Without that, our faith is in vain. Now, why is our faith in vain if there's no bodily resurrection? of Jesus. In part because of what Jesus came to do. Right? Jesus came to rescue real flesh and blood human beings, not disembodied souls or spirits, right? God created us in his image, and part of that is our physical being. And so Jesus Entered into the physical world, he took on flesh. That's what John 14 tells us, and he became like us. And so his bodily existence and his bodily death and his bodily resurrection matter. And this is why this is this is so important. God, we have to understand, made a physical world, right, with physical beings, and this matters when it comes to heaven. Because here's here's what here's what's amazing. Here's what may be different than what you've always thought about heaven. Heaven, heaven itself is a physical reality. Sometimes we kind of get this out of heaven. It's just kind of ethereal, you know, clouds somewhere distant, misty, you know. No, it's, it's physical. It is a reality of a place, which means when we get there, we're going to need a physical body to be there. It's a real place. And so when we go, we need a body. This is what Revelation 21 One is pointing us to, John says this, then I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So a new heaven and a new earth, that's our ultimate destiny for eternity. In the beginning, God made a physical earth and the life he will store will be a new physical heaven and earth. The first heaven and earth, the old heaven and earth is our present reality and this body, This body that you and I are are experiencing right now, this is the old body. And at the resurrection, we will get new bodies for this new world. New bodies that won't decay or fade. They'll never pass away. A body made for life of eternal joy and peace in Christ Jesus. That's the body that we will receive in the new creation. And there'll be bodies for a new world a new world where there's can we say there's no COVID, right? A world where there's no cancer? a, a world where there's no uh, war in Afghanistan? a war where there's no earthquake in Haiti? A, a world where there's no terrorism and corruption and pride and fear and isolation and rejection. Can you imagine that world? That's the new world for our new bodies. That's that's the world with Jesus. The entire universe, right, not just our bodies, the entire universe will be, in a sense, resurrected and made new. So maybe you're wondering at this point, well, what's this resurrected body going to look like? Like, What is this resurrected body that we're going to get? Skip down to 1 Corinthians 15, 35. We're not the first to ask this question, (laughs) Someone may ask, Paul says, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Paul's a little harsh. You foolish person. (laughs) I'm like, I thought it was a legit question. Uh, (laughs) What you sow, he goes on to say, does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another kind for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There's one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. So, Is it with the resurrection of the dead? What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is also a spiritual body. You got it? (laughs) What in the world is Paul saying? right what is he getting at now we could spend we could spend all morning kind of drilling down into this let me just highlight two things that i think are important for us to understand about what paul's saying first he is saying the abundant life right that we receive in jesus is eternal it's eternal and nothing can take it away You as a human being have been given a life as a human being and you've been resurrected into life in the resurrection of Jesus. And that life is yours and you are in Christ and nothing can change that. Nothing can take that away. Nothing, not even death itself is what Paul's saying. Now this is, I think this is particularly important given the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. And this is why. Let me say it this way. God, loves all of you. And I don't mean he he loves all of you. I mean he loves all of you. Can we say that? God loves all of who we are, your whole self. He died for all of you. And that's important. That includes your physical body. And what we cannot do is parse out and reconstruct what it means to be human, what it means to be created in the image of God by somehow parsing out physical humanity from, for example, our emotional humanity or our mental or our desires or our sexuality. You guys tracking with me what I'm saying? There's something that's going on in our culture that is doing great violence to our humanity when we try to fragment what it means to be human. And we try to re-engineer and redesign ourselves. It's buying into a lie Right? And the lie, one of the versions of it is, I think, therefore I am. This Cartesian philosophy that's wound its way into every nook and cranny of our culture, and it's a lie because it's not biblical. I think, therefore I am is not true. You are more than a mind. You are more than a brain on a stick. And your mind and your desires are important to God, but so is your body. And he created your body, and it's as much a part of your humanity As your heart and your soul and your mind. He loves all of you because He made all of you and He will resurrect all of you. There's a common misconception that goes with this that when we die, our souls go to heaven and our bodies are left behind. That we are souls in a skin suit. But the Bible makes it clear our bodies, our whole selves will be resurrected. God loves all of us. So I think that's an important thing that Paul is is, is helping us understand, this this wholeness of what it means to be human, and that nothing can take that from us, not even death. The second thing I think he's saying here is he's telling us about the kind of resurrected body we'll have. And what what he's getting at is the kind of resurrected body we'll have, it's, it's, it's the same as what we have now, but it's different. Right? And you, you, I think you get an inkling of this in Jesus' own resurrected body. It was Jesus, but he was he was different, scars but but different, right? And, and there's a sense in which our resurrected body will be the same kind of body we've had in this life, but it will be it'll be different. But the point here is specifically, it will be a physical body. That's what Paul's getting at. Physical, this is how Paul gets at it. And maybe this will help kind of unpack some of what we read that may have felt confusing. Paul, what, what he's saying is, look, we've received in Jesus uh, what we've received in, him, in this life that we have in him. It's like, they're like seeds, right? Did you pick up on that kind of uh, that seed analogy? He's, he's talking about sowing. There's something that's been sown in you in Christ. And, the, and, and this life that you have now, today, here, if you're in Christ, this life, they're seeds. And what's going to happen is they're going to bear fruit in eternity, They're going to bear fruit. And this is what he says. He says, what's sown in a perishable body right, will be raised imperishable. What's sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. What's sown in weakness will be raised in power. What's sown in a natural body will be raised in a spiritual body. We will get a physical body. And it's the fruit of the life that we have in Christ. It's not just spiritual disembodied. It's Physical also, and so we will live with bodies that never decay, never die in a world that never decays and never dies. And all those in Christ, all of creation itself, will be resurrected, will be renewed. So, <clears throat> so that's that's the resurrection of the body. Let's look at the second question: uh, the resurrection of the body, and now what is the life everlasting? What does it mean that we have in Jesus the life everlasting? The creed is telling us here that this is not all there is. What we're experiencing here is not all there is. That there's life beyond death. And what happens in this life directly impacts what happens in eternity. Because, and, and this is why, because when we die and when Jesus returns, and we've talked about this before, there will be judgment. There's judgment that awaits all human beings through all of history and all of time. And all of those who place their faith in Jesus in this life will enter into eternal life, rest, and joy with Jesus. But that also means that, sadly, heartbreakingly, gut wrenchingly, it means those who do not come to faith and put their trust in Jesus will spend eternity. Apart from God in hell. And we just need to be really clear on that because our decision when it comes to Jesus in this life determines our eternal destiny. And the Bible is very clear on that. We need to live in light of that. We need to share the hope that we have in Jesus with those around us who don't know Him in light of that. There are people that we love in our lives. People that we have lost in our lives who have not put their trust in Jesus. And so that reality ought to weigh on us. And ultimately, the hope that anyone has, that I have, that you have, that anyone in our life has, rests in the person and the work of Jesus. It is by grace that we are saved. And so we take God at his word, that he is a loving God who is both merciful and just, and his desire is to say that none should perish. And so that's our prayer, that's our heart, that's our desire. But death and eternity awaits everyone. The unknown author of Ecclesiastes is right when he says, smoke, life, smoke, it's all smoke. It's like, what he's saying is just like smoke floating up and you're trying to grab smoke. That's what life is kind of like. First it, Peter says, this, it, humans are like grass and flowers. We wither and fade like that. The reality is that from the perspective of eternity, right? however you want to draw that out, here's our life, some little dot on an eternal line spreading into the future. In the perspective of eternity, your earthly life will be over Tomorrow. Tomorrow. And whether tomorrow is tomorrow, or tomorrow is next week, or tomorrow is 50 years from now, it's tomorrow. It's an instant. Life is incredibly short. And with that in mind, considering our eternal destiny, right, it's amazing how little we think about eternity. I've been challenged by that this week myself, how little I consider eternity in light of what Scripture says, It's shocking then also how little we yearn for heaven. Isn't it? This wasn't, by the way, always the case in the church. And it's not the case everywhere in the church today. But in 21st century America, it is the case. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think we are inundated uh, with temporary pleasures. And it's easy to think this is pretty good, even with all the hard things. I can get comfortable here. It's, um, it's easy with technology. You know, I don't want to make technology the bad guy in every sermon. It's not. Technology's awesome, right? But it can also numb us to the deeper yearnings of our soul for true connection and intimacy, and that includes with God, and that's what heaven ultimately is. It's life with God. And so we're grateful that we live in a time where we live, where we have things like Amazon delivering to your door, <laughs> Right, And we live in a democracy where we can have a voice, but we can't bring heaven on earth. We can't do it. And sometimes I think we, we get turned around on that. Everything falls short. It's smoke. It's like grass. We have often deluded ourselves that we can actually imagine, uh, to, to the degree that we actually can imagine heaven's boring, <laughs> Right? And that's because we think life here is so great. Otherwise, what what are we comparing heaven to? How could heaven, how can life with the God who loves you and made you be boring? It's not gonna be the most boring worship service or most boring sermon you've ever heard. That's not heaven. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be life and life to the full. That's what Jesus said. C.S. Lewis, I just came across this quote this week. I loved it. He said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you'll get neither. And so maybe the simple question is, church, what are you aiming for? What are we aiming for? I think we need to have our imaginations renewed when it comes to heaven. We need to, as Paul says in Colossians 3, set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's heaven. That's eternity. Heaven is a place where there's infinitely more and more and more of infinitely good things. And it's not just wishful thinking. Jesus made promises. John 14.2, Revelation 21.4, 1 Corinthians 2.9, Revelation 21.18. I mean, look in the word and Jesus will tell you, this is the life that we can expect. This is the life you were made for, life with God. And that's what we'll experience. To yearn for heaven, to yearn for heaven is to yearn for Jesus ultimately. Ultimately. It's a yearning to be with him and to know him intimately and life with him forever. The cry for heaven is not wishful escapism. It's not cliched sentimentalism. It is the cry for intimacy with God for eternity. To follow Jesus is to yearn for the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. It is to yearn to be in his presence for all of eternity, knowing, knowing that Thousands of years, millennia will go by, and it'll never get old. It'll never get old, being with Jesus. That's what we get to look forward to. So, resurrection of the body, life everlasting. Real quick, why this matters for us. I think there's a lot of implications for this, in the way that we're living and thinking and relating to God and one another, but here's just two quick things I think might be helpful takeaways. First, this matters because it gives us hope for the world. It gives us hope for the world. The coming of heaven means that God will not be satisfied until He redeems not only each of us, but the entire universe. God's plan is to redeem the entire universe. The creation waits, this is what Romans 8 says, waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation itself will be set free from its bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation itself groans for resurrection. Heaven is not just about you and me. It's about God purging the physical universe of sin and its consequences once and for all. Praise God. Praise God. We need that good news, don't we? That this world we're living in that feels so broken and confusing and adrift, God's going to set it all right. He's promised to do it. So it gives us hope in the world that seems really broken. And then the second is it gives us hope for our daily lives, for personal hope, I think. In Christ, we know what awaits us beyond death. We know how the story ends so we can live today and tomorrow and the next day and every day until Jesus comes back. We can live with hope because we have confidence that no matter what's going on in our lives, we know how the story ends. We know where it's going. Our labor, Paul says, is not in vain because of that. And we can run the race and not grow weary. I read this story this week and I just want to share it with you as I close. In 1952, a woman named Florence Chadwick, stepped into the water uh, of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island to swim uh, to the mainland of California. She had already uh, been, I think it's about 15 miles, um, if I remember right. She had already been the first woman woman to swim the English Channel both ways. And on that day that she uh, set off from Catalina, the weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats that were accompanying with her. And she swam... uh, for, I think, like 15 hours. And so it's more than 15 miles. She was swimming for 15 hours. When she uh, begged to be taken out of the water, her mother uh, in a boat that was alongside of her uh, told her, look, you're so close. You can almost make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out and into the boat. It wasn't until she was in the boat and looked up that she discovered she was only about a half a mile away from the shore. And in the news conference the next day, she said this. She said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. I think if I would have seen the shore, I would have made it. I just thought about that quote this week. Following Jesus in this life is really hard. It can be really hard. It's a joy, and it's worth it. And we have to remember that the shore is right there. And if we can just keep it in view, we can make it. We can make it. Through COVID, political uncertainty and unrest, global war, whatever comes our way, we can make it. It's right there. We're so close. For us, the shore is Jesus and being with him in that place where he has promised to be with us forever, the new heavens and the new earth. And with this quote from Charles Spurgeon, to come to this shore is to come home from exile, to come home to the land out of the raging storm, to come home to rest after a long labor. It is to come home to all that we long for and desire, to the summit of our wishes. That's heaven. That's the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen? Amen.